Maine's Political Pulse is made possible in part by Lee Jeep in Auburn and Westbrook, featuring family-sized SUVs like the Wagoneer and Jeep Grand Cherokee L. LeeAuto.com. Welcome to Maine's Political Pulse. I'm Steve Missler, Maine Public's chief political correspondent alongside politics reporter Kevin Miller. And when this Sunday, January 22nd comes, when we should be celebrating the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, Let's not get it, give in to the grief or sadness. Instead, let's stand united as beacons of light and show Maine people that the movement to protect and expand reproductive health care burns bright here in Maine. That was Democratic Governor Janet Mills at the State House this week previewing a slate of abortion bills that she and Democratic legislative leaders have marked as a priority this session. They staged this event before the 50th anniversary of the Roe versus Wade Supreme Court ruling that had prevented states from banning abortion for nearly a half century. Of course, that ruling was overturned last year, setting off a wave of bans and restrictions in Republican-controlled states in efforts to protect access in Democratic-controlled states, states like Maine. So, Kevin, Governor Mills's re-election campaign leaned pretty heavily into the notion that the governor is a champion of abortion rights and that she would protect them at all costs. There was even talk of her proposing a constitutional amendment to protect Maine's current abortion law, but that's not the proposal she previewed this week, was it? Yeah, that's right. The focus wasn't on a constitutional amendment. And I think that's probably because she and Democratic leaders know that that would be extremely difficult, if not impossible, to get out of the legislature. Yeah. I mean, in order to pass a constitutional amendment, you first need to get a two-thirds or a supermajority vote out of the legislature. And Democrats, while they have a majority, they certainly don't have enough votes to pass this thing on their own. They would they would actually need Republican support then to get a constitutional amendment to voters for final ratification. But the support just doesn't appear to be there. Yeah, that's right. So instead, Governor Mills and House Speaker Rachel Talbot Ross and Senate President Troy Jackson they're proposing bills uh, that would strengthen protections for healthcare providers here in Maine who provide abortions to women from other states where the, the practice is either more heavily restricted or even illegal. They also want to prevent municipalities from passing their own abortion ordinances. But the biggest and the most controversial proposal would be to allow women to obtain an abortion much later into their pregnancy if it's deemed medically necessary by a doctor. You know, as you know, Maine already has a law that allows abortion up to the point of viability, which is generally around 22 to 24 weeks, and then afterward to protect the life or the health of the mother. But what they're proposing would address those rare cases when doctors determine that an abortion late in the pregnancy is necessary because you know there's something wrong with the fetus, for example. And right now, women in Maine have to travel to other states to get such a procedure done. Now, Republicans and abortion opponents wasted little time calling this proposal extreme, and they also noted that Mills had campaigned as a defender of Maine's current abortion law, not necessarily on expansion. And I'm going to play a couple of clips of the governor being asked about this during the debate we hosted with the Portland Press-Herald. Would you support removing the current viability restriction in Maine's law? No, I support the current Maine law. It reflects Roe v. Wade, which tragically the U.S. Supreme Court has chosen to overturn. Kevin, tell us how the governor explained her change of position earlier this week. 
Well, she pointed to the case of Dana Pierce, uh, who's a Yarmouth woman who found herself in one of those rare but tragic circumstances. It, it wasn't until she was in her 32nd week of pregnancy that she and her husband learned that their unborn child, who they'd already named Cameron and were excitedly preparing for, uh, that he had a rare bone disorder that would have been fatal after he was born. Uh, but because of Maine's current law, there were no abortion providers who could perform the procedure so late in the pregnancy. So she ended up having to go to Colorado to have the procedure done. And that's that's not only costly, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in this case, but abortion rights advocates and the governor say that this uh, essentially forces a woman to leave family and their support network at, at what must be an excruciatingly painful time emotionally. So what the governor and the abortion advocates want to do is to make Maine the seventh state without what's known as a gestational prohibition. And we should point out, right, that the vast majority of abortions in Maine and nationally occur early in pregnancy and that this proposal, should it pass, would likely affect a handful of people, if any. Now, for example, state data from 2021 show that 97% of abortions were conducted in the 15th week of pregnancy or earlier and none were recorded at 20 weeks or later. In Dana Pierce's story, which the governor used to justify this expansion and access, is a compelling one, as you just outlined. I mean, here's Mike McClellan, the policy director for the Christian Civic League of Maine, an evangelical group and strident opponent of abortion, reacting to it. The, the case study they gave was hard. I don't have a good answer for that case study. That's not the typical case study, but it does happen. So... Um, I wish we weren't so polar. I wish we could sit down and talk more about it because I think both sides want to help everybody. But then, it's, you know, as always in politics, is how do you get there? Kevin McClellan's reaction was literally minutes after the governor's remarks. And while he sounded sympathetic to Dana Pierce's experience, it didn't take long for his organization and other abortion opponents to ramp up criticism of the proposal, did it? I, I think the reaction that got the most attention was probably from uh, Bishop Robert Dealey of the Roman Catholic uh, Diocese of Portland. He called the governor's proposal uh, radical and extreme, and, and that it's, quote, beyond troubling to see how denying the existence of a human life has become so casual for this governor and members of the legislature. Uh, as you know, uh, Bishop Dealey and the Catholic Church are, are strongly anti-abortion and have been. So their, their opposition to this certainly wasn't surprising, but I th this was a really forceful condemnation of the proposal and, and the governor. And then you had Mike McClellan's organization, the Christian Civic League of Maine, basically coming back afterwards and comparing it to murder. I should also mention that Democrats seem to be digging in their heels here, too. They seem to, re to be framing these proposals as not only protecting and expanding Maine's abortion access, but almost making a case that Maine should be a refuge for women seeking access to the procedure. Yeah, and I think this uh, most recent election from the Democratic perspective certainly seemed to suggest that they did. They had they had a, a, a mandate to protect abortion rights up here in Maine and, and across the country. And polls consistently show that, that voters support protecting abortion rights. The question will be, how far um, does the public support pushing that? And I think we're, we're, this will definitely be a high profile and very contentious issue when it gets to the legislature. The Democrats, when it comes to the gestational period, the Democrats have the votes to pass it, you know, and certainly with Governor Mills supporting it, they don't have to worry about Republicans blocking it. But I expect that probably there are going to be 
some organizations that are less comfortable with this. And I think to your point, the the Christian Civic League of Maine and the Roman Catholic Church and other organizations coming out so forcefully is is probably going to it might happen. It's going to have an impact on Republicans, but it might have an impact on on some more conservative Democrats as well. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, the one way to look at the backlash to Roe versus Wade, right, is that that decision, that ruling took something away from people. And the threat of losing it here certainly played into, I think, uh, voters' intentions in the fall. But it's diff- it's one thing to take something away from people and have them be angry about it. It's, it's another thing to go take it and expand it further, which is obviously what's happening here. But abortion isn't the only topic that will be dealt with by this legislature. Uh, Last week marked the release of bill titles for the session, and it's as voluminous as usual, Kevin. More than 2,100 bills have been proposed, and there's, that's just too many to outline here. But what did the list reveal by way of legislative trends that you noticed? You know, certainly a lot. There, there are abortion bills in that are coming in from both sides. They're expected to come in from both sides. Not surprisingly, we're we're seeing uh, bills that are dealing with electricity prices and uh, you know energy prices. Uh, House Speaker Rachel Talbot Ross, who is has been a very vocal proponent of criminal justice reform, she has a, a number of bills in that would deal with that, which will be an interesting dynamic given her her new uh, position of power in the legislature. Um, but there are also, it looks like there's going to be some of these battles that we saw during the campaign over educational issues and what can and can't be taught in schools and, and kids' access to materials and, and how much control parents have over it. Uh, seems like Republicans are continuing down the pathway of, of trying to address some of these issues um, through school boards and and giving parents more more say over what their kids can learn. I do have to say on sort of a lighter note that I always look forward to the release of these bill titles, Kevin, because the lack of details always provides this element of mystery. You know, for example, right. <laughs> I can't wait to find out what prompted this submission of an act to allow hitchhiking at night by Democratic Representative Reagan La Rochelle of Augusta. I mean, hitchhiking at night, I, I don't even know if you can even get a ride doing that anymore, but apparently uh, somebody would like to be able to or at least try. It seems like every legislative session, we see a bill or two that's you know, maybe not as in- impactful as those that deal with health care and taxes and criminal justice, but that really capture the media's attention and certainly the public's attention. I'm sure you can remember a few of those as well. Oh, yeah. The, whoop, the great whoopie pie debate of, I think, 2011 or 2012, I think that was notable for that very mm-hmm. reason. I should also point out, too, right, that sometimes these bills are not actually of interest to the sponsor. Sometimes the sponsor, the lawmaker, is actually putting them in on behalf of a constituent. Well, let's uh, just shift real quick to what's coming up next week. Uh, The news was relatively slow in the nation's capital, but things will be starting to ramp up at the statehouse. So what's coming up? Lawmakers are are still mostly in the prep stage where the, the new committees are meeting and getting acquainted with the state agencies that are under their purview. But uh, some of those discussions can be interesting, and I, I suspect we'll see some serious uh, discussion and debate about Maine's child welfare system and the recent spate of child deaths when the head of DHHS and the director of the Office of Child and Family Services appear before the HHS committee for one of these briefings. Uh, the, the budget writing committee is also starting work on the Mills administration's supplemental budget, which is tiny compared to the governor's more than $10 billion budget for the next two years. 
but I think this week's public hearings and committee work on that supplemental budget is kind of a dry run for work on the, the much bigger budget starting in, in a few weeks. Okay, that's uh, politics reporter Kevin Miller, and that's Maine's Political Pulse for this week. A reminder that you can subscribe to The Pulse wherever you get your podcasts. We also publish a weekly newsletter that you can have delivered straight to your email on Friday mornings. Sign up at mainepublic.org slash pulse. I'm Steve Missler. We'll talk to you again next week on Maine's Political Pulse. <laughs>